Hello, I'm Mel. And I'm Steph. And this is East Asia for All, a podcast about the East Asian pop culture and media that you love. We're both working on our PhDs in Chinese history, but we also study and teach about East Asia in general. If you're listening right now, you, like us, probably also have an addiction to East Asian pop culture and media. Between the two of us, we've lived on and off in China, Taiwan, and Japan since 2007. So we're taking our love for East Asia, our experiences there, and the knowledge we've gained in the ivory tower, and making it available beyond our classroom walls. Thanks for joining us again on East Asia for All. I've been fighting off a little cold this week, but we were so excited about our topic today, we just couldn't wait to record. So sorry for the husky voice. We hope you still enjoy the episode. We're all familiar with boy bands, but not a boy band like this. Today, we're going to talk about A Crush, a boy band formed under the FFC, Fantasy Football Confederation. I'm not sure what that means. (laughs) Chinese brand. (laughs) The A in A Crush refers to Adonis, the Greek god of beauty. The band has five members, all of whom look very familiar to other boy band stars. They're all handsome and sylph-like, with stylish outfits and slick dance moves. And their mostly female fans refer to them as husbands, laogong, a term of endearment. So what's the twist? This boy band is made up of five girls. That's right. And though they prefer to be referred to by their gender-neutral term, meishaonian, or beautiful youth, all the women in the band, at least in press releases, identify as women and use she-her pronouns. Although that's really only relevant in written Chinese, since all Chinese pronouns, she, he, it, are all pronounced the same way. Ta. I know that we always joke about this, right? That we should just use ta in English instead of any other gender pronouns. It's a great solution. It's a good pronoun. And it's a good point. These five women make no secret of their gender, even as they embody boyish good looks and boy band musical styling. Their first single, Action, Xing Dong Pai, has them singing about taking control of their lives and rejecting labels while they perform classic boy band choreographed dance moves, including hip gyrations and Michael Jackson-style crotch grabs. And two of the singers have also released covers of really beloved songs by famous male pop stars. Peng Shi-chan did a cover of Huang Zetao's Still in Time, while Lu Ka-ran did a cover of Taiwanese pop star Jay Cho's Silence, which, by the way, is my all-time favorite go-to song for karaoke. So I'm pretty thrilled that there's a cover in what sounds like a little bit of a higher register, which probably doesn't matter for me because I still can't sing, but whatever. <laughs> Both music videos show Pung and Lu singing about the end of a relationship, accompanied by another very feminine-looking woman whom I think we're to assume was their ex-girlfriend. Yeah, although they are never shown in the same frame interacting with one another. Still, it's very queer and very challenging of gender norms, at least in some ways. Now, we definitely want to emphasize that we're not attempting to assign any sexual orientation or identity to the women in A-Crush, but their public performance of queerness is a really good opportunity to talk about what life is like for queer, gender nonconforming, and trans people in China. Especially at a time when there are so many social, cultural, and political obstacles facing LGBTQ people in China. There is no same-sex marriage in China, and homosexuality and same-sex relationships are generally quite taboo. 
Right. And the Chinese government in particular has cracked down on any dialogue about or representation of queer people and LGBTQ issues. In 2016, the government banned any representations of same-sex relationships from television and in 2017 from online media even. And the popular LGBTQ online forum, Tianya, was shut down just this September. But conversations on LGBTQ issues are still happening despite the censorship. Like the film Escape, which was created by Beijing high school students, which is amazing. And it follows a young trans person exploring their feminine identity. Now, the film is not available on YouTube yet, but we did find a clip. Yeah, and there have also been attempts by organizations to inform the public about LGBTQ issues, like the video recently released by the Beijing LGBTQ Center and Peking University based on their 2017 National Survey of Transgender and Gender Nonconforming Population in China. We'll put a link to the video in the show notes. And while the video isn't perfect... Yeah, the use of animation and sound effects can be a little off-putting for some of the more serious things that they're discussing. But it is a step in the right direction of a broader acknowledgement. It encourages people to treat trans and gender non-conforming folks in an empathetic, caring way. And it also highlights important issues for their communities. And while the queerness of A-Crush might seem transgressive in the context of a society which still struggles to have these open conversations about gender, we can also put the band into, surprise, a long history in China of gender bending. From the myth of Mulan to the long-standing practice of having men play female roles in opera performances, it turns out gender bending really isn't a new thing. So today, we're going to take this opportunity to highlight some women legendary and historical, who defied expectations for what a woman should look like and act like. And the most famous example that most people probably have heard of is Mulan. Mulan was my favorite Disney movie as a child. Yes. I'm so curious, too, to see how Disney does this upcoming live-action film, too. I just heard that Crystal Liu, one of the most popular Chinese actresses right now, who has gained a lot of her fame in martial arts shows and films, is going to play Mulan. Oh. Yeah. And the live-action Mulan, which, by the way, might not be a musical, which I don't care about that much, but what I want to know is, will there be talking animals? It's the real question. (laughs) So this should definitely be the subject of a later episode. Totally. It's important to note that this was a widely circulated poem, which inspired many other works of literature, art, theater, and film about a young woman who took her father's place in the army by dressing up as a man. And she not only did that, she served with distinction for years and then retired and went home. It's both a fabulous and subversive gender-swapping story, as well as one that is also all about filial piety and family values. That's right. It's complicated. In some ways, Mulan is simply being an exemplary child, but also you can argue an exemplary woman and heroine. She dresses up like a man to take her father's place when it's necessary, but then, in most variations of the story, returns home to her female role in the household. So while it's both transgressive in some ways, a woman who dresses up like a man and serves as a soldier... It also reinforces social and cultural values about serving one's family, and in particular parents, in other ways. And in some versions of the story, Mulan even has bound feet. Which certainly wasn't a part of Disney's young, fiercely independent female empowerment story. 
Yeah, I'm not shocked that they cut that out. (laughs) But Mulan is not the only gender-bending woman in Chinese history. That's right. Around the same time that the poem about Mulan was probably written, between the 4th and 5th centuries, China was ruled by its one and only female emperor, Wu Zetian. That's right. Wu Zetian ruled from 690 to 705 CE, and it's hard to evaluate her life and reign since many later accounts were colored by misogyny, shocking, Hmm. and attempts to evaluate her against the prevailing norms for women at the time of the author's writing, norms that did not generally encourage women to seize political power. Now, if you ever have the chance to travel to the city of Xi'an in China, you can visit her gravestone. It's so interesting. Xi'an is home to many grand tombs of China's past rulers, including the famous terracotta warriors built for the tomb of Qin Shi Huang, China's first emperor. But Wu Zetian only has a blank stila. So if you don't know what you're looking for, it's really easy to miss. And another historical figure that we have much more information about is Qiu Jin. Whose tomb you can also visit. Although her tomb is in Hangzhou, not in Xi'an. We're coming up with a great feminist travel itinerary for China during this episode. Hashtag travel goals. (laughs) So Qiu Jin was born in 1875 at the end of the Qing dynasty. And it's not incidental that she was born near the end of the Qing dynasty. In fact, she was one of the many people actively trying to end it. You didn't think we'd cover anti-government revolutionaries in this episode about pop band, did you? Gotcha. And it gets even better. Cho Jin was an accomplished poet, horseback rider, and well-trained in martial arts. She advocated for women's rights and occasionally liked to cross-dress in men's clothing. She was also adamantly against Qing imperial rule and towards the end of her short life tried very hard to bring about its end. Like many Chinese people at the end of the 20th century, Qiu Jin viewed the Qing rulers as occupiers. The Qing dynasty was in fact founded in 1644 by the Manchus, an ethnic group from North China distinct from Han Chinese. And Qiu Jin not only spoke out against the Qing dynasty, but she also actively tried to overthrow the government. While she worked as a principal for a girls' school, she taught bomb-making, for example. And she was eventually arrested in 1907 after she was exposed for being part of a planned revolutionary uprising. And she was executed by the government only four years before the Qing was overthrown in the Xinhai Revolution in 1911. Still, such a badass. Totally. And there are so many more examples we haven't covered, like Han Yinzhen, a feminist and anarchist who hyphenated her family name to take both her father and her mother's surnames. And what we really want to show is that gender bending has a long, long history in China. And there are other more contemporary phenomena, too, that are probably contributing to A-Crush's popularity. For example, as Jiayang Fan points out in The New Yorker, the Japanese comic book or manga genre, yaoi, or boys love, is also quite popular in China. Boys love depicts relationships between men, but most of it is written by and for straight women. As a Chinese boys love fan interviewed by Jiayang Fan says, quote, it's like this. In China, the relationship between a man and a woman is really complicated by the respective families, their wishes and worries, and unsexy financial issues. Reality always intrudes on the romance before it gets very romantic. But in boys love stories, she says, 
Quote, it's almost like they are not really men, but just lovers in the purest sense. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible that A Crush's fans see them in a similar way. The relationship between the cross-dressing band members and the feminine women in their videos is not necessarily about attraction, but rather about imagining romance free of all the baggage that can come with heterosexual relationships. Although, I would also have to bet that there are plenty of queer female fans who like A-Crush because it's a band made up of beautiful butch ladies. For sure. I think that about covers it for this episode. Unless anyone would like to fund us to lead them on a rousing, gender-bendy, feminist tour of China. Yes, please. (laughs) We could maybe make some time for that, right? Oh, I've got time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. And if you liked this episode, please come find us on Twitter or leave us a review on iTunes. In wrapping up, we want to say a few words about our sponsors. We're a new podcast funded generously by the American Councils for International Education Critical Language Scholarship Alumni Development Program and the Phillips Ambassadors Alumni Award at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. If you like our podcast, you could really help us out by telling others about the podcast and leaving a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at East Asia for All or visit our website, eastasiaforall.com, for show notes and more information about the podcast. We're lucky that we don't need funding or donations right now, but we could use your support in getting the word out. Thanks.